Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. My name is David Levake. My colleague Jim Paulson is not able to be here this week. We miss you, Jim. We look forward to seeing you again next week. But we've got a good, uh, call it a stand-in, a stunt double. Uh, Mr. Logan Anderson, the play-by-play voice for the all, all things Lakeville North uh, Athletics and also the owner of Game Time Media. Hello, Logan. David, you know what? If I can uh, be half of the voice of Jim Paulson, we'll be doing okay. <laughs> Very good. No pressure, no pressure. Uh, good to have you with us. Uh, I wanted to get to you because we both were at the Lakeville North versus South matchup last Friday, and I thought that was, that's got some talkability to it. And also to look ahead, we've got the new Associated Press rankings out. We've got some great matchups coming up this week, uh, so let's get to that. But let's start with cross-country. We want to, I want to plug the uh, Roy Griak Invitational at the Les Bolstad Golf Course at the University of Minnesota. And the reason it's extra important this year is because Les Bolstad will be the new home for the Minnesota State High School League Cross Country Championships in November. And that's this is a return to that course for the first time in about 30 years. Uh, and and it's, it's, you know, they used to, for this, you know, we've known it to be a feat, uh, a meet rather, at St. Olaf College in Northfield. Uh, but we, uh, we're going to have to adjust that and, and start to look at the, the uh, I guess, I don't know if that's Lauderdale or Minneapolis or, heck, it might even be St. Paul, but wherever it is in that uh, convergence of, of cities and things, that's where the meet's going to be. And we'll get, this is an opportunity here for a preview of that meet because the GRIAC Invitational is always packed with a who's who of teams and runners. Unfortunately, the, con- the information has not been published about who exactly is in or not. Uh, but I'm, I know that there are definitely some individuals for both boys and girls that I'm looking forward to seeing. And uh, is that a meet that is on your radar? Is that part of what you do? Because I know Lakeville's had some some good distance running. It's not on my radar as far as knowing a lot of specifics about the runners this year. I think Lakeville North's star runners both graduated last year. And uh, Andrew, Casey, and Bryce. Dashowitz, but there's always some good runners down here, but mostly is just a person I enjoy cross country. I ran it in high school about 70 or 80 pounds ago, and uh, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the sport, and I know when I was in it, I was like, I wish we got a little bit more attention for the work we put in, but um, so they deserve every bit of it. I don't have a lot of specifics, but I'm sure the nice thing about cross country is that you just need a uh, three miles uh, somewhere scenic preferably um, and there's a lot of places that can do that around here and I'm sure the um, obviously it was great in Northfield for the state meet but I'm sure the new place will be fantastic as well yeah the new old place you said off air you went to the state meet in when you were in Nebraska in high school and I'm congratulations I, did. I, was, the, I was the worst runner on a really good team So I got to go to state. I would not have qualified individually. And I look at some of the times that, especially with the big schools have here, and I don't even know if I would have been on varsity. But um, for a small school in Nebraska, we were able to uh, have a good experience. And they had that at a golf course in Kearney for your irrelevant fact of the day. Probably not a hill to be found. It's Nebraska, after all. That, you know what? Th- that part of the state actually has quite a few hills. So, okay. Um, basically, if you know 
this is getting in more kind of irrelevant stuff, but anything east of Grand Island is pretty hilly. Everything west of Grand Island is flat. I'll take your word for it. So that's Friday afternoon. <laughs> the the uh, high school uh, uh, races will be part of uh, kind of an all day. It's got some college runners. There's high school. It's it's kind of all happening at, at uh, the Roy Griek Invitational on Friday afternoon. Then I'll be slipping out of there to get out to football, and that's where we'll turn the page now. I'll be covering uh, Moundsview, who's hosting Stillwater, in a pretty good matchup of teams that at least early on in this season, uh, both of them were undefeated. I think, well, no, I think Moundsview was. They started, I think, 2-0, and and then Stillwater uh, did stumble in the first week, but then has since come back to get some quality victories against Woodbury and Eastridge. So, yeah, right now in the latest AP poll that is compiled by Jim Paulson and uh, Stillwater is number nine and Moundsview is one of the others receiving votes. So there is some some interest in this matchup and, and I'll be looking forward to covering that. Any, any sense of where you'll be Friday? I will be. That's a good question because the game I'm covering is Lakeville North versus Farmington and that will be on Thursday. Um, I'm very interested in the Eden Prairie Shakopee matchup. I don't know if I'll go there, but that is the one that I will be paying close attention to. Um, Eden Prairie obviously has looked like a fully operational Death Star here from the first snap uh, right away, as a lot of people expected. But that Shakopee defense has been really stout, and but they've played a little bit of a softer schedule, and I want to see what they do against a big boy and. Even if they don't win, I want to know, can they make this a one-score game and kind of put them in a spot where, even with a loss, it looks like a team that has uh, eyes on U.S. Bank Stadium or uh, whether they may be a tier below that. So I think that will be revealed in that matchup, which is the one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I've always considered Eden Prairie to be a truth machine. You'll know where you stand after you play them. One way, you know, win, lose, or draw. That, that's a good. That's a good place to go. Shakopee right now, number three in Class Six A, and they'll take on Eden Prairie, as you said, number one. So that'll be a good matchup. We just came off of a matchup similar to that last week at Lakeville North. South came in ranked number two. North was number three, and I've talked to people about that game, and I don't know if you've had this impression or, or maybe these things have you said to people that you know. In, in your in your circles, but I thought that game, it was a, a rare occasion where the game was as good as what you thought it could be going in. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I thought it was just an unusual game in a lot of ways in that usually when you get two big-time teams playing in a big-time environment, the team that controls the line of scrimmage usually comes up of victorious and I felt like Lakeville North on both sides of the ball until a little bit late in the fourth quarter really controlled the game but just kind of turnovers and special teams and um, a lot of weird things kind of happened in the game and obviously Lakeville South is a team that is capable of making big plays in all facets of the game and that's what they did their special teams a block punt recovered for a touchdown and a walk-off field goal. Um, that one-handed interception in the end zone by Callan Oxendale, they just made big plays at the right time. And even Lakeville North was uh, the beneficiary of some unusual plays. You don't see 
a pile of people pointing that they have the ball on a fumble while somebody quietly just walks into the end zone all that often uh, from the offensive team that fumbled. So to me, it was unusual. It was kind of a weird game, but I think it was a game that while obviously it'll sting for the Panthers to lose, I think both teams come out of it thinking, okay, we are what we thought we were and we're, we're contenders going forward. I would agree with that. In fact, it's funny because the fumble you're talking about, the Houdini, uh, which I called it, I, that was, I was getting ready to make that the, the, the lead of the story because a week prior, you, know, you remember that Reese Hunt, he's the guy that recovered the fumble, but a week prior, he's the guy that had the, uh, the sack and the forced fumble to ice the game at Rosemount. So I thought, oh, here he goes again, you know, Reese, Reese Houdini this time. And that's where I was going with it. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And I found myself, and I hate that when it all changes late because it might be fun for the casual fan. But when you're trying to tell a competent story, I, you know, it's like all of a sudden everything just immediately blew up. And, and I, I sent, we sent a little, we call, it, we call it a squib at the end of the night. We sent it over uh, to just get something to post on the web with photos. And I said, all you get is this two sentence thing. <laughs> here's what happened. Here's, who, here's the guy who kicked it with no time remaining. And that's it, because I didn't have time to do anything else, because I was just kind of uh, sort of in vapor lock at the moment. Yeah, and I know again, that was just such a weird play in the center snap exchange. You almost never see the ball get away from the pile in that situation. And right. I'm still not exactly sure how it happened, but yeah, it was just out there. You could see. The Lakeville South player signaling they got it, and then he's like, I'll just scoop this up and walk it in. So right. a unique play, but, yeah, no, it was just – it was hard-hitting. There was oh, a lot very hard-hitting. Jonah Shine, that big run for Lakeville South where you could see he was in a one-on-one with maybe a blocker in front, and you're like, this is about to go a long way because he has so much speed. Um, the tying touchdown scored by a guy who hadn't touched the ball all year and Bo Bachman, just so many oddities that you don't usually see in that prime of a contest. Yeah, it really had everything. It, it was a great game to watch. The, the, you, know, you had star players doing star player things. You had unheralded players doing star player things, and you had some back and forth to it. It was a really a, a really a great game. And you look, you know, you got the community and both team, both schools are right there. And then you've got a packed stands, but then you've got, I think they're standing about two deep around the fence, uh, all the way around the stadium. I mean, it was a been beautiful weather. It was, it was a great night for a great game. And that's exactly what we got. Yep. There was a, a whole bunch of people outside of the stadium on the hill by the campus. I mean, I don't think you could have fit very many people more very many more people into that stadium and we still had a a big streaming audience. So yeah, definitely one of those rivalries and obviously I'm biased. I don't think there's any that are, there may be some that are as good, but I don't think there is a better rivalry environment than when Lakeville North and Lakeville South uh, run into each other. Given. Yeah. I think part of the rivalry, it's, it's a little bit dependent on how you know, why do we care about the teams? And there's good reason to care about both programs because they're both recent state champions. They're both, I don't know if you'd say that they're at their peak, but they really have hit their stride as, as quality 6A programs. And a little bit unusual because football is the numbers game to end all numbers games. And here you have schools in the same community who are still, you know, being able to 
find enough players to have two competitive squads. It's it's not common situation. No, and part of that's just because Lakeville as a community is growing so fast, but so they're able to have the the population to to get it going. But both teams have a lot of multi-sport athletes, as most good football programs do, and they're just so passionate about their programs that they still, you know, they have well-funded youth programs and well-attended. They're learning the fundamentals. Um, I'm assuming that the Lakeville South kids are starting to learn that power T as uh, as young pups now. As uh, I think that they've really fully embraced uh, that form of offense, and obviously it took them to a one state championship for sure. The Lakeville South people claim two. The Lakeville North people are a little skeptical of that second one, but certainly they were unbeaten <laughs> that COVID year and uh, had a great year. So it's it's a cool community. It's cool to see the way that uh, the community embraces uh, both teams. And I know so one of our other programs in our streaming network, we have Prior Lake and Shakopee, and that's a great rivalry too, but – when you're there, it just seems like they're meaner to each other. It seems like it's almost the players really want to win, but the environment is more is less contentious than some of the other ones. It's almost a respectful rivalry. Which one? Which rivalry? Uh, Lakeville North and Lakeville South. Oh, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, we talked a lot about we pumped the tires of that game, and as we should, I think we're going to hear from both of those programs into November. But people in Woodbury are listening and going, hey, wait a minute. We got a pretty good thing going this Friday night. We got Woodbury coming to Eastridge. And that's quite a that's quite a rivalry there, too. But again, I think what's different about that or what maybe has a little bit of this less than to it is that you don't you're not talking about recent state champions in either case. Uh, I think Eastridge played for a title most recently. I think it was. 2015, no, 20, about 2015, actually, and they 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 uh, like were in the championship game against Osseo. That was when we had it for a couple of years at TCF Bank Stadium while we're waiting for the Viking Stadium to be constructed. But they do have a good matchup, and I know as, as a Woodbury resident, I know that there is a lot of interest in that game and, and a lot of uh, – it, it means a lot to a lot of people. And so, you know, disp- you know like I said, despite they don't have quite the you know, prestige of the Lakeville North and South success, but – if you're stepping on the field, if you're an Eastridge kid or a Woodbury kid, this this game means a ton. Yeah, and I think I mean I'm particularly interested in that from the Eastridge point of view, where I think they were kind of the sleeper contender for a lot of people coming into this year, and they've stumbled a little bit out of the blocks, but they still have a lot of talent. They still have Zolnowski. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that name at quarterback who can do a lot of things. So I'm very interested in that result. I agree. And then, if they, I, I just think if they go over one and three to start, that's hard to come back from and get a seed that doesn't send you to one of those uh, real powerhouse teams in round one or two. So sure. obviously you want to avoid that as long as possible and shoot your shot as late as you can and, it, it just seems like that it's a big kind of potential turning point for East Ridge and Woodbury, of course, wants to just take that and run with it because they've had a nice start too. 
And then uh, to give a little, uh, and then another game that I'm interested in Friday night is Maple Grove at Anoka because Anoka, they've they've been doing some good things. And uh, I'm trying to look and see where, the, yeah, they're three and zero right now. Anoka is Maple Grove. They kind of are back to their cell. Uh, they're who they want to be after beating Centennial, a very good Centennial team. Now they get Anoka, and Anoka's undefeated, playing at my personal favorite stadium, Goodrich Field in, in Anoka. Um, so that, that'll be a fun night. And then in 5A, we've got some matchups that are very much worth um, talking about. You have Elk River at Andover. That, that, the over-under, I think, is about 85 points. So <laughs> then, <laughs> then we'll go from there. Waconia at Chanhassen is a good one. Uh, St. Thomas Academy at Matamidi is is a good one. So those are all. And then Mankato West plays, uh, they they bring a Chaska to town. And so all of those are, are 5A games with a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest. So it's it's shaping up to be another very good fr- Friday night across Minnesota when it comes to football. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what Anoka says on our uh podcast that we do uh, the tc game time podcast we were talking about what we were trying to guess the rankings uh, going forward and i uh i had the top four down i said it's going to be these four in some order and then um at that point i want to see kind of anoka beat a team like maple grove before i kind of put them up there above some of the the good one loss teams like um Lakeville North, for example, or um, even Forest Lake that jumped out. I think Forest Lake, yes, we mentioned them, Maple Grove, um, Stillwater. I think that I want to see them at least be competitive down to the wire before we move them up. But certainly 3-0 and is 3-0, and nothing to apologize for. And I think we'll have a – it's not Eden Prairie, but they'll have their tester game against the defending uh, state champions – coming up this week and i think we'll know yeah you're right it will it'll be a lot will be revealed as as most friday nights are so logan i think we've uh i think we've uh, jim who let's <laughs> put that's that's what i think of the job you did how's that <laughs> good enough i'll take it <laughs> i appreciate you being here logan anderson again play-by-play voice for all things lakeville north sports owner of game time media it's been a pleasure sir we will see you around the press box soon All right. You have a great day.